tonight. So I love it when God just gives me those little nudges. I, he does it to all of us. We're his sheep, and he talks to us. He says, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of the enemy they do not heed. So a lot of times when I'm reading the word or when I'm meditating on a scripture, I'll get a nudge. I'll just get this little nudge, like God is speaking to me, and I don't hear words. I hear, this is important. Pay attention. Listen. That's one of the ways I hear from God. And over the last few months, I've been teaching my Bible study. And as I've been teaching, I have a journal. You guys know I journal a lot. And I've been, every time God gives me one of those nudges, I write it down. I write it down. I write it down. And so I have a list of maybe a half a dozen things that God has been speaking to me about. That's what I love to share with you. Because if he's speaking to me, it's just stirring in me to give to you. So this particular scripture, Sally, you're going you're gonna to love this because this is one of Pastor Marie's scriptures, and it's mine too. This is one of my life scriptures. Um, it's Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. It's about the benefits of God. And, um, and the second reason that I really wanted to share this is because it is all about thanksgiving. We just celebrated Thanksgiving, and I wasn't able to share anything on Thanksgiving because we were finishing up our study right before Thanksgiving. So, so I'm kind of tying those two things together, this beautiful scripture and Thanksgiving. So the, the title of this teaching is, Do Not Ignore His Benefits. And I'll tell you why the title is Do Not Ignore in a minute when I get to that part of the teaching. But let's read this scripture together. This, is, this, this happens to be from the Amplified, but it doesn't matter which version is in your, your Bible is. This is a powerful scripture to wake up your soul and to choose to bless God. So let's read it together. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deep within me, bless his holy name. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the soaring eagle. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So this is going to be a two-parter teaching. Tonight I'm going to teach the majority of the scripture, but then next week I'm going to teach about eagles. I'm going to share about eagles. I've never, I've never had a whole session on eagles, but eagles are really special to me, and a lot of you already know that. I'll share my story next week, and then uh, what God has just been deepening in my heart about eagle scriptures. Yeah, Shelby, she's already like, yes, because she's been hanging on to the eagle scriptures as well. So I'm just going to start at the beginning. I'm going to do first verses one and two, and then we're going to just dig in to God's direction for us about remembering his benefits. So verse one says, bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deep within me, bless his holy name. That word bless means to kneel. 
It means to praise abundantly with thanksgiving. To praise God abundantly with thanksgiving for who he is, for how great he is, for what he's done. To bless him abundantly with thanksgiving. The next part of the scripture says, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Our soul is our middleman. <laughs> we are spirit, soul, and body. I tell you guys this all the time. Our soul has the swing vote. In the spiritual realm, we have the benefits. Everything that that scripture had is ours as born-again daughters and sons of the living God. That's really good news. But until our soul comes into agreement with what is ours in the spiritual realm, it's going to stay in the spiritual realm. But I want and we want the abundant life that Jesus paid such a huge price to give us. And for us to receive that in our life, in our bodies, in our families, in, our, in the, everything that's part of our life, our soul needs to agree. So God is giving us direction through this psalm, saying, soul, bless the Lord. I often talk to myself like that. <laughs> I, I say, soul, listen up. We're going to go and we're going to praise God. And the reason I do that is because I don't feel like it. If you're hurting, if you're oppressed, if you're sad, if you're in, uh, in fear, if there's stuff that's weighing on you, if you're in pain, you don't feel like praising God. And it's a choice. Your part of your soul is your will. That's a big part of your soul. It's also your emotions, your intellect, your um, mind, your thinking, your dreams, your desires. All of that is part of your soul. But your will is a big part of it. And that's your choice. God has given us a free will. So when this, this psalmist has poured out this, these words through the unction of the Spirit, he said, bless the Lord. I, abundant, I choose to abundantly praise the Lord with thanksgiving. So come on along, we're going to bless the Lord. And then the second line says, and all that is deep within me, bless his holy name. When we declare the name of God. When we declare, there's many names for Jehovah. There's Jehovah Rapha, my God who heals. Jehovah Shalom, my God of peace. These are Old Covenant, Old Testament names. Jehovah Jireh, my God who provides. There are so many names for God. Jehovah, Yahweh, Yahweh, my covenant-keeping God. Um, a couple more that I have on your sheet that are, speak loud to me are Jehovah, um, no, it's not a Jehovah one, it's El Elyon, and that means my most high God, bigger than the cancer diagnosis, bigger than the pain, bigger than the issue in my life. He is El Elyon, and the other one that I've just really been focusing on right now is El Shaddai, El Shaddai, all-sufficient God, capable, more than capable, of meeting every need that I have. And as we declare the names of God, as we praise his holy name, bless his holy name, everything that is, is in his name is who he is. It's not just a name. It carries the character 
of God. The, the, um, the, that, that character trait that you're praising him for, it carries it and brings it to the forefront. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray our prayers, and then we say, in the powerful name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, because all that Jesus is is carried in his name. Names are important. So bless his holy name. The second line of this psalm, the second verse, is almost identical to the first verse. And whenever something is repeated in the Bible, I believe it's very important. And he says in verse 2, Again, bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. Now, I want to park there for just a minute. Awesome, Lisa. Awesome, awesome. And then it says, do not forget all any of my benefits i want to zero in right now on those words do not forget do not forget it can also be translated do not ignore or do not cease to care about think about this world that we live in it's really easy to forget the promises of god the greatness of God. That's why I wanted to start with a song about great things. Because there's a lot. I mean, today, look at what happened in Oxford High School. It's so easy to put our eyes, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, because right now we need to be praying and we need to be mourning and we need to be taking action. So I'm not saying that it's wrong to look at what happened at Oxford today. But first and foremost, we need to look at God in the midst of all of this. And the problem is, I, I, and as I've been preparing this message, I see two extremes. The first extreme is when we're in the midst of a crisis or a problem. We, are, we have so much of our attention on that crisis or that problem or the physical effects of that crisis or that problem. It might even be anxiety or oppression or depression in, you know, compounded with the pain or the sickness or the disease. There's all kinds of stuff. But in the midst, are you ignoring the benefits or are you ceasing to think about or ceasing to care about the benefits because of the bigness of the problem but the other end of the extreme is just as just as destructive and that is when everything's going well maybe you're in a season where life is coming together and everything's going well i've been in those seasons i love those seasons but sometimes in those seasons you get busy you get, you get distracted. And even in the really good times, we forget or we become, this, these are the words God has given me, we become apathetic or complacent or slothful, lazy. Or we cease to remember, we cease to put our attention on his benefits. We forget his benefits. If you flip those words into the positive, those are all do not, do not, do not. If you flip it into the positive, I believe there are three things we need to do with his benefits. We need to remember them, we need to rehearse them, and we need to give thanks for them. 
So I'm going to share with you, before we get into the benefits themselves, I'm going to share with you three wisdom keys that are powerful. These are action steps to take to remember his benefits and to receive the benefit of the benefits. Here's the first one. We need to remember, rehearse, and give thanks for what his word says he promises. We need to remember it. We need to rehearse it. That means we need to speak it, think about it, declare it, meditate on it, and thank him for those promises, even before you've seen the manifestation of the promise in your life. And the second thing is that we need to remember and rehearse and give thanks for every step of progress that you've seen along the way. Because even in the midst of a terrible cancer journey, I don't even want to call it cancer journey, healing journey. I'm looking at Shell because she's in the middle of one and Lisa's in the middle of one and I was just recently in the middle of one. When you're in the middle of one of those journeys, there's a lot of amazing things that are happening. And in the midst of those journeys, keep those things in the forefront. Those little nuggets, what God is doing, the things that he's spoken to you, the, the steps that you've had in the midst, because there have been steps. Remember your past journeys. Remember the past things he's done for you. When I was in the middle of a cancer journey last year, I remembered a year ago, I'm sorry, 20 years ago, and what God had done for me 20 years ago. He did it then. He's, that's his will. He proved himself to me. I, there was no doubt. He's faithful. Listen to this word, 2 Corinthians. You guys know this one because I declare this one a lot. This is 2 Corinthians 5.20. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Jesus the Christ with the resounding yes. And through Christ, through Christ, not on our own, but through Christ in us, our amen, our agreement, our amen ascends to God, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. The promises have been fulfilled. We're going to talk about those promises in a minute. We're going to talk about the benefits in the scripture in a minute. They have been fulfilled through Christ. And there's not, God doesn't say no to them. The benefits that we're going to share, God does not say no to. He says yes because of what Jesus did. That's really good news. But our part is to agree with God and say amen. That's our agreement. To say, God, I agree with you. I believe. Now the promise of your breakthrough. So what is that breakthrough you're believing for? Brock, what is that breakthrough you're believing for? Lisa, that breakthrough you're believing for. That breakthrough is contained in the seed of Scripture. Your breakthrough is in the seed. The seed contains the harvest. The seed of the promise contains the harvest. Think about an apple for a minute. Think of this analogy. The har a harvest of apples is in the seed. It's not in that piece of fruit. It's in the seed. And the seed of that apple has to be sown. It has to grow into a sapling. That sapling, well, that's a shofar in case you're wondering what you're hearing. That's powerful. That's powerful. 
So the seed sown in the ground turns into a sapling if, it's, if, it's, if it sprouts, and then it grows and grows and grows and grows until it produces a tree that is mature enough to produce apples. It doesn't produce one apple. It produces a harvest of apples, and then it has the potential to produce a forest of apple trees, right? A harvest, a huge harvest. In the same way, miracles do not come to pass only when we receive the complete breakthrough or the complete restoration of healing. Every step of progress we experience along the way are, are, should be celebrated like seeds of the complete miracle. Every step, every little thing is a seed of the complete miracle. So you know I have had a couple of miraculous healings. And the first one was in 2002 when I was healed of melanoma. During that, journey, during that season, during that journey, I journaled everything. And it became my first book, A Blessed Journey. That was the step by step. Those were the seeds that produced the miracle. In uh, 2010, I had a thyroid Serious thyroid issue. I had a thyroidectomy. I have no thyroid now. God walked with me, talked with me, ministered to me through that whole thing. And I wrote my second book, Healed for Life. What is it? It is a, a, um, a book put together with every little thing that God showed me through that journey. And last year I was healed of lymphoma. I just sent my book off to my daughter-in-law. She's the one that, she's my graphic artist and my amazing talented daughter-in-law who's going to put it together. It's written. It's all done. He gave me the title last week, finally. I had the beginning part, but I wasn't ready to share it yet. I am now, because he confirmed it for me last week when I was in prayer. So this is the title of my third book. It's called Journeying Well, and the subtitle is Step by Step with Jesus, because that is exactly what it was all about. My journey last year wasn't about the healing. The healing was a done deal. Jesus purchased it 2,000 years ago. The story was the steps, step by step, and journeying well. That's the seed, seeds that we celebrate, that all go together to create a harvest, a miracle, and we all have it. But the key, the wisdom key, is to remember and to rehearse and to thank God for the promises in his word and for every step that you've had along the way. That's the first wisdom key. Here's the second wisdom key. There is a direct connection between thanksgiving and faith. God's part is done. God's part is grace. It was purchased once and for all by our Jesus. Our part is faith. And there is a direct connection between giving thanks and faith. Look at this scripture. This is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I'm going to start at the end of the scripture, the part that's underlined. Abounding in it, the pronoun it is pointing to your faith. We abound in faith with 
thanksgiving. There, I'm going to give you an, a simple equation, like a mathematic, mathematical equation. When you have an equal sign in the middle, it means both sides are balanced. I was a first grade teacher for a long time, right? So on one side of the equation is thanksgiving. And I'm going to put the word with thanksgiving. When we are filled with thanksgiving, it equals abounding in faith. When we are filled with thanksgiving for, the, for what his word says he's done and for every step we've seen along the way and for our past uh, things he's done in our life, when we are filled with thanksgiving, it equals abounding in faith. But if we take off that thanksgiving, if we have no thanksgiving, no, it equals no faith. There's a direct connection between thanksgiving and faith. And it's possible to have this, this passionate prayer life without thanksgiving. You're missing something that's very important. So the first part of the scripture, let's go back to the first part. It talks about being rooted and grounded, rooted and built up in Jesus. Because when we accept Jesus into our life, he's in us, right? And we're in him. We invite him in. We say, Jesus, I need you. And, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, in our spirit man. So we have God in us. But it says that we can become rooted and built up. How does that happen? I believe it happens through perseverance and persistence, staying firmly anchored in the word of God. Don't put your Bible on the shelf and let it get dusty. Stay rooted and established, especially the specific promises that God has given you for your journey. And thank him for those promises, even when your natural circumstances show absolutely no sign of improvement. So be steady and consistent. Stay rooted and grounded in the word. And give thanks even when you're not seeing anything. Because that's when you need it. Don't abandon your breakthrough because you haven't seen the final result yet. You don't need faith after you have the result. <laughs> you need faith in the middle. You need to be established in faith when you're living in the gap. And many of you right now are living in the gap. You are in that place where you, something's going on in your body and you haven't yet seen the full manifestation. When you're living in the gap, this is what you need. Prayer with thanksgiving. Uh, um, remembering, rehearsing the promises of God and what he's done in your life with thanksgiving. There's a little box at the bottom of the, I think it's your first sheet. And it says, remembering his benefits and offering God our thanksgiving builds our faith and that faith sustains us while we continue to persevere and believe for the manifestation of the promise. That's the gap. That's how you fill the gap. That's what you do in the process. One more nugget before we move into those benefits. We need to pray with an attitude yeah. Yeah. of thanksgiving. 
pray with an attitude of thanksgiving. That's what the scripture says. I got so excited when I saw this in the word. Be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Pray with an attitude. An attitude is a mindset. An attitude is a lifestyle. An attitude is heartfelt motive. And as I was preparing this, I couldn't help but make a connection. Because in the, in the Psalm 103 scripture, it says, do not forget my benefits. Do not ignore my benefits. Do not cease to think about my benefits. That's forgetting or, or um, ceasing to care about. That's the opposite of having an attitude of thanksgiving. God says, have an attitude of thanksgiving. Don't forget my benefits. Don't ignore my benefits. Don't cease to care about them. Don't become apathetic or slothful or complacent. Pray with an attitude. Pray with an attitude. Sometimes we're too darn passive. So let's look at those benefits. God says, don't forget them. Don't ignore them. So we're not going to ignore them. We're going to put our eyes right on them. We're going to put our hearts right on them. In fact, I stop right now and I pray. I pray for something to rise up in you and in myself. I pray that this attitude of fervent prayer with thanksgiving rises up with, <laughs> with anticipation of good, with anticipation of the great things of God that you have already ordained for us, God, these benefits that we're going to talk about right now. May these benefits rise up and, and get us excited knowing that this Christmas <laughs> you have the best gift ever through Jesus and his benefits. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Here's the first benefit. He forgives all of our sins. I teach about forgiveness of sins a lot, right? It's important. This is the first thing that I knew as a little bitty girl. I knew that Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sins. And sometimes, because we've known that our whole life, we, we really don't put our heart and our meditation on the bigness of what he did. We become complacent. We say, yep, know that, check. Well, let's just go a little bit deeper and let God just pierce our hearts with the immensity of what he did. There is a, a prophetic word. You guys know it because I share it frequently. It's in Isaiah 53. And the prophetic word says that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Transgressions are those sins that we learned about when we were little kids in catechism or Sunday school. They are the, they are the sins, the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts. The Ten Commandments, as well as God saying, love, love me, love my people. So the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. The, the next one, the iniquities, are more deeply rooted kinds of sin. They're those kinds of sin that have become a stronghold in your life. 
And they're often, you know that they're there, but you kind of keep them a little bit hidden and you don't want to let them go. And they are sometimes generational where it's something that has your, maybe your, has your dad did, your mom did, um, maybe something about um, the marriage, brokenness of marriages that kind of is a cycle in your family, stuff like that. But the good news is that Jesus paid the price for all of them. No matter, I was Catholic, so I learned about venial and mortal. If you were, you know, if you were not Catholic, you, you, you know, you see the degree of transgressions and iniquities. It doesn't matter what the name is. Jesus paid for all of them, every degree. And even Lisa today, her first prayer for that young man was this prayer, that he would know that Jesus died no matter how grave the sin, no matter how grave the, 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 the hurt or the wound that he was caused or that he caused. Jesus paid the price for all of it. The word that God put on my heart as I was preparing this was the word propitiation. <laughs> I've never taught on that word, and I didn't even know what it meant. But that's how God speaks. It was like I was, knew I was going to teach on sin in a little bit because I'm just doing a little nugget of each of these benefits. And I thought the first word that came to me in relation to sin was Jesus is our propitiation. And I thought, I don't even really know what that means. But being you're speaking it to me, God, I'll go look it up, right? And so listen to these scriptures. These are amazing. I've never used these scriptures before. The first one is Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness now, to acquit means to set free from the charge. So we were all guilty because we were all sinners. But we were acquitted. We were set free from our guilt through the sacrifice of Jesus. And God, in re, in, he traded up. And he took our sinfulness and he gave us his righteousness. And then it goes on. It says, his gift of love and favor now cascades over us, all because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Whoa, we've been freed. We've been liberated. Listen to this next verse. Jesus' God-given destiny, this is why Jesus came to the earth. His destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now he is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. That word mercy seat is propitiation in the New King James translation. I'm going to define it in just a minute. He is our mercy seat or propitiation because of his death on the cross. We came to him for mercy. For God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. So let's go back to that mercy seat. In the old covenant, the mercy seat was um, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was in the Holy of Holies, the inside of the tabernacle, the most inner part, the most holy place. The only person that could go in there was the high priest once a year. And the mercy seat, the, the lid of that ark was called the mercy seat. And on that day of atonement, 
the sin, um, the, there was a sacrificial uh, lamb, and that, that perfect unblemished lamb was killed, and the blood was spattered on the mercy, sheet, mercy seat to cover the sin. The word uh, mercy seat or propitiation means to appease, to satisfy. Another word that I also had to look up was expiate. And that means to atone for or to make amends or reparation for. So that lamb, that sacrificial lamb, appeased God for the sins of the people only for a year at a time. But Jesus had a destiny. And his destiny was to become our sacrificial lamb. And his blood his perfect, he was the perfect unblemished lamb, the lamb of God. And his blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat of heaven. But it only happened once. Because it was a perfect sacrifice. It only needed to be shed once by the perfect lamb of God. So the original mercy seat was a type and shadow for Jesus and for his sacrifice that was going to be poured out for us. And we receive it. We come to him for mercy, for God has made a provision. Here it is. He has made a provision for us to be forgiven. How? By faith in his blood. By faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. By believing and receiving it. Now we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. Again, it, 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 it shows us the old covenant and the better covenant. Every priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over, which are never able to strip away sins that envelop and cover us. But whereas Christ, having offered the one sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice of himself for sins for all time, sat down, signifying the completion of atonement for sin at the right hand of God, the position of honor. And then in verse 18, now where there is absolute forgiveness and complete cancellation of the penalty of these things, there's no longer any offering to be made to atone for sin. Old covenant versus the new. A one-time, all-sufficient sacrifice. The next scripture about propitiation, listen to this, 1 John 2, 2. And he, that same Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. The atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God that would otherwise, otherwise be directed at us because of our sinful nature, our worldliness, our lifestyle, and not for ours alone, but also for the sins of all believers throughout the whole world. Jesus died once and for all, for all, all who would accept the sacrifice. Even that young man from the Oxford High School today. 1 John 4.10 In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Praise you, Jesus. Benefit, that was benefit number one. He forgives all our sins, but that's not all. In the next verse, actually it's the same verse. The second benefit is in the same verse. He forgives all all our sins, and heals all our diseases. Same verse. It's part of the same. And he went through at the same exact 
is part of salvation. They're not separate. And forgave all at once. Amen. 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 And Lisa, the other verse of the um, prophecy in Isaiah 53, it's also the same verse. So in the prophetic word in Isaiah 53, I read it earlier. It said that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Go to the next one, honey. Go to the next slide. Thank you. And this is the same verse. The chastisement needed to obtain our peace, our shalom, and well-being for us was upon him and with his stripes that wounded him. We are healed and made whole. So the prophetic word, forgiveness of sin and healing of the body are in the same scripture. There's not two sentences. It's one sentence. It's part of salvation. And in Isaiah, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 103, he heals or he forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. Same verse because it's all part of salvation. How many of you grew up knowing one without the other? So many teachers teach forgiveness of sin, but not healing of the body. It's all part of the, the gift that Jesus paid for. He healed all our diseases. So in this scripture, this prophetic word, the word chastisement, listen to what it means. The penalty the price or punishment, the infliction of corporal punishment as defined by law. And in the Roman government, it was crucifixion. Punishment by beating. He was flogged before he was crucified. He did that to obtain our peace, to obtain our shalom. And shalom is huge. I gave you a, a bulleted list because it includes so much. Tranquility and contentment. Wholeness. We have been made whole, spirit, soul, and body. Soundness in your body, our soul, our spirit, safety, welfare, having your needs met, prosperity, nothing missing, nothing broken in any area of your life. He paid the price for our peace and our healing. By his stripes, we are healed, and that word is Rapha, God who heals. It's one of the names of God our God who heals. The word Rapha means to cure. It's not just spiritual healing. It means to cure, to heal, to restore to normal, to thoroughly make whole. And I want to share this same scripture under in the New Living because this is one that I think is a beautiful one to memorize and just to have in your heart to speak whenever you're, you're just praising God for your healing. Listen to this version. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Amen. Praise you, God. So he heals all our diseases. I'm just going to give you a quick list of everything Kent and I have been healed of. I was healed of stage 4 melanoma. God said 6 to 9 months, or mm, the doctor said 6 to 9 months to live, and God said, oh, no, Healed. I was healed of that thyroid issue. When I had that thyroid thing, yep, I had surgery, had my thyroid removed, but I never had one symptom of thyroid issues. 
My thyroid was whacked. I, they took it out. It was so bad. But I didn't feel bad. I had so many people that I prayed for with thyroid concerns, and they don't feel well. I felt, I've always felt fine. Before, when I had a, a messed up thyroid, after they took it out, when I had no thyroid, and then during the next, I don't know, months when they were regulating the levothyroxin stuff that I take. I feel fine. I feel great. I have energy. I'm not fatigued. I'm not tired. God heals all our diseases. Last year, I was diagnosed with stage 4 lymphoma. Completely healed. Completely healed in every aspect. So, yep, I did go through treatment. And this is what you're going to hear. And this is what Pastor Tim taught me. It was so powerful. He said, do everything you can do in the natural. If you want to take medicine, it's okay. But give Jesus lordship over it. Whatever you do, if you're doing alternative medicine, if you're choosing to walk in faith completely without any medicine, whatever you're doing, put God at the head. And that's what I did. So last year, I went through treatment. I had chemo and immunotherapy. But I did it with God's complete blessing on me. I, I was so healthy. You guys know I was here every Monday and Tuesday. I would go and have treatment on Wednesday and Thursday. And I would be back here on Monday and Tuesday to teach because God took care of me through it all. And I had no residual effects at all. I'm doing perfectly and I'm so healed. No more pain in my body. Thank you, Jesus. So I was healed. Kent has been healed of so many things. Yes, we have gone to doctors. He's having surgery on his wrist tomorrow. But what do we do? We put God at the head. We give him lordship over everything. He has two new knees. He had knee replacement surgery one at a time. We praise God all the time because he can do everything. He, we love to, we're very active. We do a lot, and he can do it all, and we just praise God. Thank you, God, for his new knees. We thank him all the time for that. He had a heart attack two years ago. He was in the right place at the right time, and within 20 minutes, literally, we took, he was in Florida, a lot of a lot of heart specialists in Florida, and we drove into the, to the closest hospital, and it said chest pain specialty or whatever. And it was like, well, we're in the right place. Within 20 minutes, he had three stents in his heart. I mean, like that. He walked into the door. They took him before I even signed a piece of paper. They came out, and they said, he's in the middle of a heart attack. And they had three stents in within 20 minutes opened up all those blocked arteries, and he is perfect. He was at a cardiologist last week. He had to get cleared for this wrist surgery. Everything is perfect. My God saved my husband's life. Thank you, God. He's had other situations that God has healed him up completely. He was diagnosed with diabetes many years ago. He is no longer diabetic. Praise you, Jesus. We have done our part in the natural as far as eating. God has blessed us and taken care of us and shown us how to do it and what to do and to enjoy, thoroughly enjoy the food that we eat. Praise you, Jesus. He heals all our diseases, all of our diseases. That's a benefit. Last night I shared this and I forgot. I'm going to back up a little bit and share it. Kent is 66 years old and on the 14th of this month, he will be 66 in two months, and you know what that means, right? Social Security. <laughs> it's a benefit. We decided to wait for full retirement age to start Social Security. But it's a benefit. 
and we want to take advantage of that benefit. So guess what we did? We went online, and we filled out all that paperwork and did everything we had to do, and in January, he starts getting his Social Security, uh, whatever it's called, pension or paycheck or whatever it is, because it's a benefit. That benefit is there for everybody, but you're not going to get that benefit if you don't access it. These benefits are our inheritance. But unless you access it, and God says to remember it, to rehearse it, and to thank him for it. So let's go to the third benefit. Benefit three, Psalm 103, verse four. He redeems your life from the pit. Hallelujah is right. Redeem means to buy back to pay the ransom for our freedom, to pay the price to recover us from the power of another. We were all under the power of the demonic realm. We were all under the power of the devil. And yes, there is a devil. There is Satan and there is a, a whole, uh, uh, you know, levels of demonic realm. But we have been bought back. We were under the dominion of darkness. Don't you think you weren't? Because you were. But if you are a daughter or a son of God, you are no longer under the dominion of darkness. We've been redeemed. That word pit means death, the grave, and hell. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, you've been rescued. You have been redeemed. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.13, I love this word. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all our son sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his blood. We're redeemed through his blood. We're redeemed through the propitiation of Jesus, through the shed blood that paid the price that we owed. And because we've accepted that sacrifice, we have been translated. Now this trans, this position that we have, it's not just, it's not just a, a place. We haven't just moved from hell to heaven. Way bigger than that. It's not just a place. It is a position we hold. Because now, instead of being under the dominion of darkness, we are in dominion over darkness. We need to know that. Because if we don't know it, we will, we will bow to the um, oppression of the enemy. That's illegal and it's unjust. We have legal authority over the darkness, but if we don't know it, we will give in and let the enemy have his heyday. That's why I teach this kind of stuff. I want you to know the truth. We are living in the kingdom realm. We are kings and priests in the realm. Listen to this. Kingdom realm doesn't mean a place. It means royal power. It's the realm. It's your power, your kingship, your dominion rule. Now, the kingdom realm is the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. Now, yes, this kingdom realm was the royal, is the royal power of Jesus as our Messiah. But that power and authority has been conferred upon us. 
we have been commissioned to carry out the messianic kingdom. We are supposed to be advancing the kingdom with Christ in us. Jesus is sitting in heaven now, guys. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's given us the Spirit in us to take action. It's up to us right now to be in commission with Jesus and to carry out that kingdom work. It's one of our benefits. We have been crowned. We live in the kingdom realm now. We've been redeemed from the pit, but we have a responsibility to do something about it. Here's one more verse about this precious redemption. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the old me. It's the power of sin that leads to death. That's where I used to live with the implied idea of future misery and hell. That was before I was re rescued from the pit. That's before I received the forgiveness of Jesus. Now, guys, listen to this. Many of us grew up knowing about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. But just knowing about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins doesn't rescue us, doesn't redeem us, just knowing it. I was 43 years old, and I knew it. But I had never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. It was, it was a knowledge, but it wasn't a, a heart choice. There's a difference. The devil knows that Jesus died for our sin. It's up to us to accept it, to believe it, faith, to believe it, and to say, I surrender to you, God. I need a savior. I need my sins to be forgiven completely, completely once and for all, not covered over like the old covenant, but to be completely eliminated, forgiven. The propitiation, I need that propitiation. And it is a hard choice. And I, it just scares me to think of how many people out there know truth but haven't received it themselves. They know it, but they haven't received it. Because they haven't surrendered, they haven't said, Jesus, I can't do this life thing on my own. I need you. I can't do this forever thing on my own. I don't want to be eternally in hell. I want to be eternally with you, Jesus. So we, if we have our new birth, the law of our new being, we've been freed from that misery, future misery in hell. We've been freed. And now we live under the law of the spirit of Zoe, <laughs> the law of the spirit of life, God's kind of life, joy, joy, joy life, abundant life. Now, I'm not saying that it's like a party all the time, but in our spirit it is, in the new part of our being, uh, that benefits yours. It doesn't matter what your body says or what your heart says or what the oppressor is trying to say. That's who you are. You have a new law, the law of the spirit of life. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 
Okay, we're going to talk about one more benefit today, and then next week we're going to go to the eagle benefit. Benefit four. He crowns us lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercy. He crowns us lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercy. The word crowns means he bestows upon us or he surrounds us. Lavishly means profusely, abundantly, and excessively. I think, I don't think, I know that when I meditate on this psalm, this is the one that brings me to tears. Because the same immense God who sacrificed his own life, Jesus, his, Jesus sacrificed his life for my forgiveness of sin to remove the barrier of sin and to reconcile me to God. That's huge. The same God who took the stripes on his holy back and was crushed and broken for my healing so that I could be whole. He was broken so I could be whole. The same God that did that. And the same God that paid the ransom for me to get from, heaven, or from hell to heaven. The same God cares about the little things. The same God cares about the tender things, the loving kindness and the tender mercy. The God of the universe, the immense, huge, powerful, magnificent God cares about the little tiny things. And he shows his love to us in those ways all the time if we pay attention. Yvonne, I just see your heart. I just see your tears. Because that's what, when, when I talk to Yvonne, I love this lady. I love all you guys. But Yvonne's been on our ministry team for a long time. And when I talk to Yvonne week after week after week, this is what she shares with me. The kisses. I call them when, like he blows his kisses. Just these little kisses that God is blowing to her and to her children and to her husband and to her marriage and to her family. One after another. She's, every day, she's telling me more things because this is what our amazing daddy does. This is a definition of loving kindness from Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. It's his goodwill towards us. His benevolence. That disposition which delights in contributing to the happiness of others, which is exercised cheerfully in gratifying their desires, supplying their wants, or alleviating their distresses. God loves us so much. He cares about what we care about. And he wants to, to, to help us in every little facet of our life. Everything. Tender mercy means, from the Noah Webster Dictionary, mildness or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. That's what God, is, I believe God is just looking down on that 15-year-old right now with his tender mercy. Better than what he deserves. That's mercy. I want to share one story. Um, when I was preparing this, I was saying, God, I just want to share a story about your tender mercy and loving kindness. And there's so many. There's so many. But this is a, this is a freak. Uh, it just happened. So I just 
thought I'd share this one. Um, guys, most of you know we moved into a new house in April. And it's, uh, it's just, oh, God has just blessed us so, so much with this home. We're just, every day we just say we feel like we're at heaven on earth. It's just absolutely just such a blessing. And um, over the, we moved in in April, and we right away, even before we moved in, we called people to come and to help us with landscaping. We've got a big piece of property. It's over an acre, and there's, it's, a lot of it's wooded, so we don't need to um, put grass and all of it. But we need something. Right now it's just dirt, right? And we, we just kept, getting, kept hitting walls. And we know what's going on in the economy right now and with building, and so that didn't really surprise us. But we had people come out, and then they wouldn't call us back, or we wouldn't get a quote, and we weren't getting work done. And, and the summer kept going on and on and on, and we still had dirt and nothing else. And, and um, what we had a woman come one day, a woman landscaper. It was early in the morning, and Kent and I were outside talking to her and kind of sharing what, we, what our picture was in our head and and I just didn't feel good about her and I just didn't what she was talking about didn't set right with my heart and I went inside and I was overwhelmed and I was frustrated and I went to take my shower and I was just talking to God and he spoke to me this is the loving kindness and tender mercy part and he said you don't need a landscaper and I said what and he said I'm your landscaper and I said, and I, I'm just, okay. And then he said, go out on your front porch. Well, I, I was dressed by then. So <laughs> I, went and got, I went and got Kent, and I said, honey, I feel like God just speaking to me, telling me we don't need a landscaper. He's our landscaper. And he told me to go out on the front porch and look. So I took him outside with me, and we stood on the front porch, and we just started to look at what we could see in front of our eyes. And it is breath takingly beautiful. And God spoke to me, he says, you just need a little help. You don't need a landscaper, you just need a little help. So I'm going to have Kent put a picture up here. We still don't have grass, but that's a, kind of a side picture of our, of our house. I don't really have a good one looking out from the porch. But the bottom line is, where we live is spectacularly beautiful. And from that moment when God spoke to me and said, you don't need a landscaper, I'm your landscaper, God started opening doors for help. So we had a, a friend of a friend who got us this really good quality dirt. You like good dirt when, you're want, when you need dirt. And he got us this really good quality dirt at a really good price, and then somebody just spread the dirt, which they just did last weekend in the snow. We had 30 loads big truckloads of dirt, and he spread it in the snow. But it spread, thank you, Jesus. And we have somebody that, that came and gave us a really good quote for a sprinkler system. And we had somebody that said, all oh, this, this, this hydro seed, like on no other hydro seed in the area. In fact, not very many people are hydro seeding. Anyway, bottom line is, God put together all the pieces. We have somebody, we know what we want as far as shrubs. We don't want a lot because we got this beautiful. We don't need shrubs. But we do want a little bit, and we know what we want. We know what we like. We have somebody to help us plant it and do the mulch. God says, you just need a little help. That's how God cares for us. He knows our heart's desire. He, know what we he knows what we love and what we need and how to help us and to give us favor to make that happen. That's his loving kindness and his tender mercy. Just a, sma just a snapshot of it.
So the fifth benefit, and I know there's more than five benefits in my benefit package, but that's what happens to be in this psalm. So the fifth benefit, that's going to be continued. I'm just going to read the verse. Psalm 103, verse 5. He satisfies our years with good things so that our youth is renewed like the soaring eagle. That's a really good one. I love that one. I'm taking it. I've already taken it. I've received it. I'm going to keep receiving it. So have you, Barb. I love that lady. This, this little lady is, can I tell them how old you are? 85. 85. She is here every week. She serves at church every Sunday. She volunteers. She's always ministering and helping people. She, she's on her own. She drives everywhere. She's out and about that's a renewed youth. Yes. And such a woman of faith. Yes. I want to grow up and be like you, Barb. I'm going to be in Jesus' name. Because our youth is renewed. That's God's will for us. So next week I'm going to teach about ego benefits. Get ready. It's going to be good. I was, at the, at the, I was all day today just in the Word and just getting all excited. So, Father... We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your benefits. We stand in awe of how much you love us, Lord. Thank you, thank you. And Father, as I've already prayed, may you stir them up. May we not forget them. May we not get complacent or put them aside and put our eyes on the busyness of life or the distractions or the problem. But may we keep your benefits in the front of our heart and thank you for them all the time and bless you, Lord with thanksgiving for these amazing benefits. We love you, Lord. We love you. I pray for the best Christmas season we've ever had. Yes, as we put our eyes on our benefits and especially upon Jesus, the giver, the source of every one of those benefits. We love you, Lord. All glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, yay, God.